right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Regular Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me? Well, we have a new national champion for the 2017-18 NCAA football season, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide. Yes, sir. Nick Saban and the boys pulled it off last night. And um, my man Willie Gibson and I are going to be talking about that as well as quite a few other things that we want to talk about. It's, it's, it's the time of year where football has become very, very interesting. Uh, football has been very good lately, too. It's been very good to me. Lately, it's been very good. Football game last night. I can't wait to talk to my man Willie about it, but it was worth more than the price of the ticket. It's one of those emotional games that you'll remember for the rest of your life. If you watched it, certainly if you were in attendance, probably one of the best football games you ever saw. The fact that what was at stake rises even more in terms of the performance of the young men and, of course, uh, the national championship. Awful lot of pressure on people who participate in these type of activities at this time of the year. Damn kickers. You know how I feel about them kickers. <laughs> you know, Alabama ended up winning the game by three. Uh, they certainly could have took the easier route. Certainly, around uh, the end of regulation, seemed like they could have just wrapped it up. I think this uh, kicker wanted to put a little bit more stress on, on Nick and his life. And uh, if you're going to be the best coach out there, uh, he didn't want to make it easy on him. Certainly, I'm uh, sure that uh, when you look at a lot of guys who play the game, very few times do we want to lose because of field goal. Because a lot of times, you know, it's it's pretty difficult to defend or or block a field goal. So it's almost like it's taking the hand the game out of the hands of of the the other players, I don't want to say of the real players because, you know, kickers think they're real football players. So, you know, I'm not going to bash them too much. But certainly, uh, I'm happy that the game ended the way it did as opposed to ending on a field goal. I think it was much more dramatic ending of the touchdown pass thrown by a freshman as opposed to uh, a kicker. So hopefully uh, my man Willie will join us soon and uh, we'll get a chance to uh, share his perspective. I certainly thought it was one of the best games that I've ever seen. Um, I I just, you never know what to expect. You just had a a playoff game where Oklahoma and and Alabama, I'm sorry, Oklahoma and Georgia had just played in in a playoff game that went in overtime. Uh, So you never know what to expect. Uh, you certainly hope there's no blowouts. And, and for those out there who don't believe that the college football playoff system has gotten it right, just think about what they've served up to you since they put this format in place. They've served up to you nothing but great football games. Whether they're all the playoff games have been competitive, uh, with, with the exception of maybe one or two, maybe. But they've been very entertaining. Uh, I think they've gotten it right. I'm not, uh, you know, of course I'm a Buckeye, but I'm not going to sit here and and be upset that Ohio State didn't get in this year. To be quite honest, I don't think we deserve to get in. I I don't care if it was what game of the year it was, how early in the season it was, Oklahoma coming to our place and and beating us, period. 
And, um, you know, I don't like when Oklahoma comes anytime because, you know, I experienced a lost Oklahoma by a field goal kicker years ago. But still, we lost. Then we lost to Iowa, took us behind the shed and just, you know, took our dignity from us. But um, I don't think the Buckeyes deserve to be there. So I think the teams that deserve to be there were there. I think they served the playoff system well. Games were great games. I, I'd be interested in what the, the ratings were for the for the game last night. If you tuned in, you certainly couldn't tune out. I tuned out at one time when the orange guy came out at the beginning of the game. I turned it. I turned the channel. Then I turned back. But uh, I, I I wasn't interested in that. Nope. 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 Uh, I think it did too much to uh, uh, divide. So I, I wasn't interested in watching him. He didn't even know the damn song. It's a shame. So, um, but irregardless of that, I, I, I think, again, I don't want to take anything away from the young men who played the football game yesterday, nor the coaches. I think both coaches. Kirby had to be proud of his guys. He had to be proud of himself. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you're, you, when you coach or when you go up against some very few times do people in life get a chance to d directly compete against somebody who has, you know, a direct line to your success and to who you, be who you become or who you are and to your development. Very few times you end up competing for that person for the job. Uh, one thing about it, interesting enough, I remember when I was at The Ohio State University, uh, the athletic director, who I'm sure, and then the story was that Coach Hayes was responsible for bringing him in, had to end up firing Woody. I mean, that, that's just some difficult stuff. But then what, let's, let's look at the competition. I remember being a rookie, and um, when you're a rookie in the National Football League, a lot of times, I mean, the playbook is, you know, it's probably two or three times, you know, bigger than the one that you had in college. And then not only that, um, you know, everything else is just, you know, the guys are bigger, stronger, faster, you know, every position. The corners are probably bigger in pros than they are in college. The safeties are bigger than they are. The linebackers are running backs. You know, everybody's bigger, stronger, faster. And, uh, and the coaches coach harder. Uh, after all, it's your job. They expect you to do your job. They're, they're, there's no excuse for mistakes. Nick Saban, Nick Saban when you look at Nick on, on, on the sidelines, I can take you back to ninth, the, the fall of 1980. Uh, let me take you back no, to probably the, uh, the spring of 1980 when I first met Nick Saban. Uh, the man hasn't changed. He was just as intense. He was the same person then who did not tolerate any mistakes. No excuses for mistakes. He just didn't want to accept them. There's no need for them. They're mental mistakes which cause physical mistakes and breakdowns in execution. He, he totally believes in, you know, execution based upon preparation. He, he believes in that. He believes that, yeah, we, we, we go through this stuff to get them prepared, you know, all week long, all summer long, all year long, so that when we call the play, they can execute the play the way it was drawn up and designed. And not that you're going to have any mental lapse that you forget what the hell you're supposed to do. So I, I certainly um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, is Willie on the line by chance? Yes. Oh, 
Okay. Hey, Willie, how you doing there, man? I'm good, Ray. How about you? Okay, I apologize. I was going on a little rant there. I, I wasn't where you were. I took my eyes off the screen there. I wasn't where you were there. But um, I, I, I I hope you share the same opinion that I do. That last night was a, not just a, a, a good football game, but a great football game. It's certainly worth the ticket price for those who might have paid a ticket or, or those who have cable and, 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 uh, and watched it on on television, it was certainly uh, worth the, uh, the price of the ticket. Would you believe? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, far exceeded my expectation. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I was on the fence as a Big Ten guy to even watch the SEC, the, the de facto SEC championship game. But I'm so glad I did that. That game had everything you could ask for and more. Yeah, you know, I I'm, I'm one of those people. Well, I I um I'm certainly um one who supports uh, my conference, which is would be the Big Ten, um and I'm I'm not you know I'm for because I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be upset if there was a a Big Ten national championship game, meaning that there are two Big Ten teams in it. I I, I wouldn't mind that as long as we get the best teams in the playoffs and the best teams playing in the championship game, I'm okay with that regardless of what conference they're for. I think, I think the NFL, an example for the NFL, there are some teams that could, uh, you know, lose a division uh, and not make it into the NFL playoffs even in a wild card play position because there's a team who may have a 9-7 and seven record and they've got a, uh, you know, uh, they may have a 12-4 a, a, a and four record but they were, you know, second in their in their in their division, and then their record didn't even get them a wild card game in the conference because again in the conference twelve and four wouldn't get it done. So I, I believe that very similar to what the NFL does, the NCAA is doing something similar to that. But I think what the NCAA proved last night is that somebody from the same conference could come in and play for a national championship and obviously put in a put on a great game but but they leave room for that to happen there's no room for that to happen in the NFL that would never happen in the NFL no no not at all I mean I think the best you can do is perhaps even an NFC championship game or a conference championship game rather but um no the NFL is is and in no shape or, or yeah, they want to, they, they want to represent it from the AFC and from the NFC. That that's what it is. It's, two, it's the two it's the two conferences playing against each other. You know, so they assure that because again, somebody comes from the AFC, somebody comes from the NFC, and they you know meet and play in the Super Bowl. But I, I like I said yesterday it was SEC. If it were Big Ten, if there's two teams that are good enough in the Big Ten to make it out, um, certainly um, we're, we're represented in the. You know, in the final when it comes out, uh, in the rankings in terms of the top, you know, 10, 15 teams, we've got uh, at least three up there. Uh, but in terms of the playoff, um seems like we got a little slighted, but I think it's okay. I think it ended up the way it should have. Last night, the guys won the game on the field. And, and that's what I'm happy about because, uh, you know, Nick did an outstanding job of, of coaching. But but he he gives credit that there was the execution of the players to go out there, and that's why you know it bothers me a lot about the game last night. There's so many other things that that go into you know looking at the entire um, entire experience that goes beyond the field. That is a little sad, but but that's okay. It was a great game, as I said, and you agree with me. It was a great game. We're gonna take a break, Willie, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna continue to talk about this game. 
and of course college football. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a match. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me is the Alabama Crimson Tide are the 2017-2018 National Champions for College Football. And uh, it's one of those things where uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, you got to give uh, Nick Saban has now uh, moved into the seat where uh, he is sharing that title of championships, I believe, with uh, the great uh, Paul Bear Bryant, who also has six, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Willie, you can affirm that. Yes. 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 Who also has six. Um but, you know, the uniqueness uh, of Nick's experience has been that he's done it in such a short period of time. And I think it took uh, it took Bear, oh, I think 25 years. And uh, it's, it's taken Nick maybe about half of that amount of time. And, uh, and Nick has got about, in the past few years, he's picked up quite a few in a short period of time while he was at Alabama. So, right, five um, in the last nine years. Yeah, so so that uh, I think that speaks a lot to him. I, I want to tell you one thing that I, that I thought spoke volumes last night in watching the ball game was <clears throat> the amount of young men, meaning true freshmen, that were playing in the national championship game at the University of Alabama, and that were bowling. Right. I, I mean, it's it's amazing to me that uh, he has so many. Good players on the team. You know, there is a number of guys on the team. Certainly, number ninety-four to D tackle is it will be on. You know, gone by the first round in the National Football League if he's if he's eligible. But there is Nick has always been able to produce uh, great athletes uh, in his program. You know, they're very coachable. Um, 
And and the fact that he had freshmen come in and be very productive last night, uh, you know, he's got a he's got a scheme and an approach to the game uh, that every young man just can't come in just just the, just the just the mere presence. When you talk about great coaches, and, and he is a great coach, and and since he's sixty six years old. Uh, I know when I was at Ohio State, uh, Woody was somewhere at, at that age, if not older, and probably older. But uh, he, his hair was white. Uh, Nick is a still young-looking 66-year-old man. I remember when he was 30. Um, yes, I've known him that long. I remember when he was 30, he looked very young to be 30. And um, obviously is taking good care of himself. Uh, but when you're in, in the presence of a great coach, Sometimes players can be, be intimidated by great coaches, particularly if they're the kind of, you know, aggressive coaches that, by example, you have in a Woody Hayes, a Bear Bryant, and now a Nick Saban. And to get freshmen to come into the program and not be raveled and to be able to perform, that, that, that's, that too speaks volumes, Willie. I mean, uh, have you been around coaches or heard about coaches like that that could be intimidating to players sometimes? Uh, to the point where they're too nervous to get in and play and perform? Um, I've not personally been around that, but I'm sure I'm definitely sure that it exists. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Woody Hayes. I think back to his counterpart uh, at the team up north, uh, Bo Schembechler. You know, he kind of had that same uh, that same oh, yeah, personality, yeah, if you will. Bobby Knight, Bo Schembechler, you know, Bobby obviously a basketball coach, but, but those kinds of coaches, yeah, that were very verbal. Uh, very animated, very intimidating, um, and and but they have players that would perform because you know it's almost as if it was a fear factor that uh, the fear of and and I tell people all the time Woody Woody never punched me except for entertainment purposes only and that's when we <laughs> at an all right. star game in Canton and he was there and I and I the word got out that I was there and I knew I had to go see him because people had told me told him that he saw they saw me. And uh, he knew that I knew he was in the stadium, so I had to go look for him. He didn't have to go look for me. And then, of course, he wanted to uh, jab, give me a couple of jabs to the to the rib to see if I was in shape and entertain the audience at the same time. He he knew how to do that. But uh, but certainly when he was in practice, he wasn't trying to entertain anybody. And there were on a number of occasions that Woody seriously would punch guys in the gut. You know, of course, he was an old man, so it didn't really hurt a lot. But, you know, he didn't he didn't take that crap, man. He was, you know, and, and you're probably you're protected when you're on the defensive side of the ball because Woody spent all his time on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and so, therefore, those guys, when they made the mistakes, they got their, you know, their ass chewed out, <laughs> you know, and, and, and jabbed a couple of times. But, uh, I mean, you see the way Nick, Nick, I mean, what, Lane Tiffin's name's been brought up, you know, was in the media last week, of course. Uh, you know, he's done an outstanding job with the program, and, but he's he's a disciple of Nick Saban, and, and he took some chewing while he was with Nick, and um, and but 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 you know it, it it happens. He doesn't just do it with his players; he does it with his coaches as well. So they could get in the line of fire too. Uh, but most of the time, they don't make mistakes because they don't want to be on the embarrassing side of his rants. So they're 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 a mistake free team. A lot of times they made a couple mistakes last night. He wasn't happy with. Absolutely, and, and the, the uh, interception from uh, Tua. I, I won't attempt to disrespect him by trying to pronounce his last name. 
I'll just stick with Tua. Well, I'm glad you but, went. Uh, I'm glad you went with Tua because uh, that that was about all I had that I could uh, add to it too. Uh, but, right. But that young man, yeah, he 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 did throw a, a terrible, ill-advised pass at the wrong time of the game. Ain't there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. And yep. uh, did did you did did he get a, a chewing right away? I, I didn't recall seeing how Nick approached that. No, uh, what happened was Nick did kind of, you know, he he said some words. I think he initially. put his arm around. I think he put his arm around Nick after he threw the interception, didn't he? He did. Yeah. What happened was the initial response from Nick when he was still on the field was, "We're blocking." Mm-hmm. And I cleaned it up for ready. We're blocking. Right. And it's true. Right. Every receiver had their back turned. That's right. Engaged with a a cornerback. Mm-hmm. So he kind of got it out before the young man came to the sideline, and that. To me, showed me the poise of that young man. I mean, true freshman. He, he went his, to him. Said he put his arm around Nick. That's right, like, coach. I got it. I understand. That's right. I got it. It won't. I know what to do. Yeah, and I, I you know, and it's interesting that, that you and I are talking about this because I did not believe that they didn't spend more time talking about that last night. You know, it's almost like many times I know when I was a kid, and and I knew that I was going to get, a, as we say in the hood, a whooping. I didn't, you know, run home, go get the switch for mom, you know, so she could give me the whooping. I didn't run upstairs and get the belt for mom so she gave me. I didn't, you know, run in and sit down next to mom and say, okay, mom, ready for my whooping. Right. But but if I had did something that I knew that she had warned me ahead of time, if you do that, you're going to get a whooping. And she found out that I did it. So now I know I got a whooping coming. Like get a C on my report card. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I knew that was going to happen. I didn't run to her. Okay, this young man knows what Nick is going to do for somebody who throws an interception at that critical time in the game. You're about to get your ass, you know, chewed out. And instead of you going, you know, down to the end of the bench, you come right to me. Right. And, and, and then what he did, he kind of killed the moment. He put his arm around Nick. And, but yeah. to me, I think that, I think that is probably, that, that should have right there, we should have seen that this young man is somebody who's special. And he absolutely must, he must have a special relationship with Nick. Sure, and I think that's his his, his character and his personality. You know, uh, kid from um, Hawaii. Hawaii. You know, very low key, very laid back, and uh, you know, to him, it's like, hey, this is what I do. I you know, uh, same uh, high school as a matter of fact as uh, Marcus Mariota. That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, I thought the no, per- I, I, th- sure I think today. Marcus is a little I think Marcus is a little humble too. I mean, I think on the field he is, you know, got a little spunk to him, but he seems to be a a pretty humble kid himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I'm pretty sure a lot of uh college coaches today or this week will uh, be heading over to the uh island of uh, Hawaii. Well, that's where you can find quarterbacks for, if you're looking for them. Exactly. They must have something going on over there. I, I know for a while there was a guy out in California that was producing some quarterbacks, uh, but uh, it looks like now they're coming from away. Something must be something in the water. But but I, but that kid played a great game last night. Uh, but I, I would like to say this. I think if I'm not mistaken, he he threw three touchdown passes. Yes. He threw three touchdown passes and in the uh, second half. In the second half, yes, and 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 and. and Every pass that he threw, what was a pass? Basically, you know, he th- he he threw the runner open. He threw the receiver open on every pass. You know, the receiver had to move into a territory of which t- to go get the ball because he threw a ball where he anticipated the receiver was going to be, 
And and then another thing that I, I really liked about him was uh, the running play. Two running plays, two big running plays. One in particular where he punished the DB uh, in order to get the first down. Right. Uh, the, the, the young man just, and, and another thing we just got to stop and give him credit about, uh, it lets you know that he, when he went into the meetings, and you know all about this, Willie, he went into the meetings paying attention, expecting that, you know what, one day at some time I'm going to get in the game and it happened for him. I mean, because right. it, it, it seemed to me that the playbook, as they talked about it, they expanded the plays and, uh, you know, they weren't playing so conservative like they were doing uh, when the other guy was in. But most certainly uh, they went into the playbook and just, you know, opened it up and he was ready to go. Right. I mean, he was a he's a freshman, but he's played in seven games this year. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, that, and that that that's what's. You know, it, it, that kind of takes, and I always like to go back to my days at Ohio State. You know, it's all, it kind of reminds me of the days, you know, back at Ohio State where, you know, you can go in as a freshman and have your goals and hopes and anticipate trying to start, but understanding that if you did not start, you were still going to get a chance to play because there used to be, you know, some teams on the roster, used to be some teams on the roster we could count on as a victory we knew we were gonna like wisconsin no no you you get to play against wisconsin if you're a freshman <laughs> you know but things have changed but right. yeah you, you can go down the roster and say oh yeah okay minnesota iowa you know wisconsin indiana those are games i'm, I'm a, a michigan state oh yeah i'm playing in those games you know and so the same thing at alabama you know you know there's gonna be you come in as a backup you know there's games that you're gonna get some playing time in because they do take unlike the pros they take their starters out and, and they rest them. Uh, the pros, there's too much incentive money tied into your time on the field and, and what you do. In college, the only thing, the incentives is your bowl championship and national championship. No money. Great game like that. All the money generating, the players ain't getting no money. That bothers me too, Willie. I want you to know that that bothers me a lot. A, whole, a whole lot. I mean, for the price of that ticket, the emotional value of that game last night to be in attendance, uh, I guess I haven't seen a game like that since I was at um, the shoe a couple years ago, and we beat that team up north in mm -hmm. overtime. I mean, I was, that that was just priceless for me and my daughter. Got a chance to to witness that. So, um, but I, I do think again that uh, it was it was a game well worth the money. It did an outstanding job. Georgia needs to be you know, commended too. But again, I guess the Falcons might be rubbing off on them. It's something about the state of Georgia. They can't can't hold on and win. So. <laughs> that uh, seems to be the case. Hopefully that stay the same way because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, the, you know, they're playing my Eagles this weekend. The Falcons are. And so, uh, you know, we don't want them all of a sudden to turn a new leaf. Right. Uh, we don't want that to happen. But it uh, looks like we got another break we got to take. So we'll take this break and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Who do you feel the most important person is on a sports team? Is it the captain, the star player, or the fan? While it could truly be any of these individuals, more often than not, it's the coach. Listen for A Coach's Spirit with hosts Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. A Coach's Spirit offers a look into the human side of coaching and a chance to learn from some of the most impactful leaders in the game. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Sports Channel. 
If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, Alabama Crimson Tide, Roll Tide. Uh, the 2018 champs of college football, uh, deservingly so. Uh, talking to my man, Willie Gizzard. Will, let me, I, I got to hit you with this one, man. Uh, the young man, Tua, I believe that's close to it. Um, Again, he did an outstanding job, but <laughs> in order for him to do a job, and, I, and, and, and I'm going to resort to something that I've always believed in because I, I played the position as a young man and I just didn't understand. You know, it, it's like there's some carryover in different sports. And so I thought about, wow, you know, that would make sense in football. And that is in baseball. You could be the best pitcher in the in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. starting pitcher. If you having a bad game and, you know, they're knocking you out the park, they bring in a relief pitcher. Right. You can, you, it's okay to have a bad day. That don't mean that you're a bad pitcher. You could have a, just have a bad day. You know, it's like work. If you got a bad day at the office, you can go home sick. You can take a sick day. You know, some, for some reason in football, it doesn't work like that. Nick Saban pulled the, the ultimate move, but he's done it before, but not in a national championship game. That this man, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Sit here and watch this thing go down and fire? The house is on fire. And, you know, I'm not going to at least try to put the fire out. And, and, and I have a tool and I'm thinking about it and I don't do it. How, how how great of a move do you think that will go down in history and recognizing that Nick Saban had, and I'm going to say, you know, the fortitude, the gonads to, to, to make that call at that particular time? Well, seeing that they won, um, this will be a great, a great call. Uh, goes down in history as one of the probably the one of one of the greatest calls. Now, you know, that goes with saying had they um had they lost, then the second guessers and the naysayers come out. Well, that's all. You know, you know there's always, you know, like they always say, it's always two sides of the story. There's always a what if, but we we talking about the reality of that it did. Right. 
Right. And he and he did. He did. He did. So do you, you think you think how many other coaches you think would have pulled that move or made that move? Well, it depends again. How many other coaches have that caliber of quarterback on the bench to be able to have confidence in him to to pull? I don't I don't know, but I mean the the talk here. I know Columbus, I, I know one of them. Yeah, I was just about I was getting there. <laughs> I was I was getting there. I know one of them. Yeah, yeah. The talk here in Columbus is why Urban Meyer didn't make a move like that at some points during the season. Yeah, I I, I was I'm I'm that's where I'm going with this. Now, yeah. So okay, so we know one who did, and we know one who didn't. Right. As an example, we saw the, we, there was an illustration of the talent of both when they did get on the field, which makes us think, or certainly those who are Buckeye fans start thinking about why didn't we at some point in time. And, that, and that's what I'm trying to say. I think it's the brilliance and, you know, of a coach. It's like all things that a coach does. You know, they said that Nick at one time called an, called an onside kick. Because he didn't think, he said he didn't think his defense, you know, they weren't doing anything. They weren't holding him. So he, he, he decided to do it. I don't know if it worked out for him. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, because I don't recall the game. But at, at a time where a lot of people were surprised, he, you know, he called for an onside kick. You know, I think there's great coaching. And I think sometimes coaches need to do things to recognize their greatness. And those are the kind of things to me, because a lot of times I think coaches get too much credit. Well, you know this, you know, they called that pass play last night, but I, I, the kid threw another pass where it was a little short and it didn't make it there. Okay, if, if, again, if the receiver don't catch it, if it's not a complete pass, you know, it's just a call. As long as it's not an interception, you just call for it. Looked like it was open. Okay, fine. But when the, when the, when the play is executed, the way it was drawn up and everything works, then everybody's happy. And uh, I, that, that, that's what I'm saying. I, think, I still think you can make great calls, but players have to execute. I, I think on the big boy show they were trying to say, you know, what, you know, what was the greatest performance, the coaching performance by, by Nick or the performance by the freshman quarterback? I got to say the performance by the freshman quarterback. Because you can call any play you want to call, but if you can't execute the play, you know, I think the, the, the Browns, they had a damn parade or, or, you know, were scheduled to have a parade because somebody at the end of the game missed a pass. If you catch the pass, no parade. Right, right. I mean, in that play, uh, too, uh, the freshman quarterback, let's talk about, I mean, we talked about his character and he threw the pick and going over and talking to Nick and putting his arm around him. But that playing overtime, he just took a 16-yard sack, the first play of overtime, the first possession of overtime for for his team. Right. So second and 26. Right. And he threw a a pinpoint accurate rocket. And you know what? And that's exactly right. You you called it the way it is. I'm so glad you described that that pass as a rocket. Right. Be- because uh, there was another pass in the game that somebody said he needed to throw a little bit, you know, put a little bit more air up under the ball so a person could run up under it. Uh, I that that pass was thrown the right way, you know. Being somebody who played safety, you know, the rocket is the one in cover two, where you can get the ball in between the safety and the corner. You know, it, it looks like they were in cover two, but for some reason now in cover two, the, you know, the safe, the corners aren't jamming the receivers to slow them down or take them off route or whatever, and then the safeties aren't get. I 
I'm from old school. Nick taught us that that safety, if it was his safety, he would expect that safety to cover half the field, including to the sideline. So if that would have been Alabama, Nick would have expected his safety, his cover two safety, to intercept that ball. And and be, because of the way that ball was thrown, and quarterbacks, you have to know if you need to throw some air under it or if it needs to be a rocket. And he threw the perfect pass. And what I like about this young man, and I'm so excited about him, is because you can tell this young man was prepared because right after the game, you know, they were able to, they were interviewing him and he was able to explain exactly what he did. He talked about, he talked about looking the safety off, safety stayed closer to the middle of the field. So he went on and, you know, knew the dude was running up the sideline, knew he was open. He explained to you what he was doing. He, he, you know, you saw his head. You know, he was, he was trying to look the safety off. Move him off point. Move him over closer to the middle of the field. Give me some room so I can throw the ball over to my guy running up the sideline. And then let it go. Didn't hesitate. Let it go. So, you, yeah, no, you're, 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 you're right about that. But, uh, but, but so will you give, who, would you give the, who would you give the credit to? Is the credit in the coaching or the credit in the player and the execution of the plays? Um, I've got to give it to the player. Because the same coaching, and and let me explain when I say that this is by no mean in, in no way me being critical of Jalen Hurts, because I, I think the young man handled it as the as well as you could handle that situation last night post game. Every every interview that he gave, he gave all credit to his teammate Tua for coming in there and doing that. But I say it was the player because Jalen Hurts had the same coaching. And we saw in the first half what happened that caused Nick to pull Jalen Hurts and bring two off the bench. So you got to give that young man a true freshman. That kid was in high school this time last year, right? That, 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 that's a great example of what you just gave. They need to have you on the big boy show this morning to give that answer because you are exactly right. You are exactly right. They didn't get, it wasn't a new playbook. It was the same playbook. It was the same playbook. We were calling the same plays. It's just that Jalen couldn't get it done. He couldn't complete the passes. No, and so uh, and, and that's why I say to people a lot of times coaching is good, but but you know it, I don't like when I hear people say okay when you put somebody else in at quarterback then okay you you've got to take certain things out of your playbook why why is that certain calls you can't call because of what I I don't I I, I never get that when they say you know they got to dummy the playbook down a little bit you know uh, when they put. You know, and a lot of times I don't like it because it's black quarterbacks when they say that. But mm. I, I, I just really don't like that. I was like, no, the full playbook. As a matter of fact, you know, it's, it's the total talent of the athlete at the position of quarterback that, that makes, you know, him a better quarterback. If, if, he can't, if he's not a loser and he can't get away from, from defensive linemen or linebackers, then that's, he's going to handicap the team. You, you need a quarterback who's got the ability to run, who's got the ability to pass, who, who, who can carry out fakes well, who, who knows how to look a guy off. I mean, a freshman, a, a freshman, that's a big, that's a big boy play. That's a real big boy play to look a safety off as a freshman. They didn't, they didn't have time to tell him, hey, you know, it's second and 26, man. Uh, this next play when you run, be sure to look the safety off. No, they didn't have time to give him all that. Right. And if they would have, the kind of humble young man he was, of course, you know, honoring his Lord and Savior after the game, which I was so happy. I just didn't understand why he said his parents might be mad at him at the beginning right. when he started his interview. Uh, I, think, I think he said that because he didn't do it first. 
Oh, okay. Okay. I hope that I hope and pray that's what that was all about. Um, I'm not trying to start any controversy, but certainly just I, I did take note to he said that part of it. Uh, they'd probably be mad if he didn't do it. Yeah. But uh, uh, that, that young man was just uh, he, he is a, a textbook example of, you know, what your backup player should be. I don't think that a backup player should come in the game and we should expect anything less. Never would I. I would never go with that. That we got a backup player, so we're gonna go with something less. Nope, don't believe in that. So hey, um, so um, anything else you want to talk about the game, or we want to move on to some uh, some big boy ball that's coming up here this weekend? Well, just to, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. You know, I'm a I'm not a I wasn't Alabama fan as I said earlier. I was not. Come I was on, man. To, come on, man. Really? Come on, man. Come on, man. We got, listen, well, here's what it is. It's one of those things where you become, you know, an affiliation. And why would you root for, you know, once our teams get out, then you got to find some reason why you would root for another team, favorite color, whatever. When you drill, when you drill deep down, man, Nick is a Buckeye. I had, I had a Buckeye on Georgia as well. Defensive coordinator Mel Tucker is a defensive coordinator, uh, DB coach here with Trussell. But he wasn't a head coach. No. He was. No, I'm talking about the head coach at last night. Oh no, he wasn't. Right. No. Okay. Okay. Well, well you know, well, you know, my, we, got, we, we, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got Buckeyes scattered throughout sports. So it, it, you know, that's one thing that I do like, and I, you know, I'm gonna be a homer here. Well, that's what I love about watching Monday Night Football. I, I, I always like to, to f- pay special attention to when the players come on during the introduction in terms of announcing where they're from. Right. Very few times on Monday night football games are you seeing somebody who is not saying the Ohio State University. Absolutely. If, Absolutely. If, and, and certainly on the teams that are winning the Ohio State University. So, uh, so go ahead. I, I, okay, I'm going to try to let you off the hook because you're going to explain to me, or you did explain to me about your boy. Okay, so I understand that. But I think we still got to give Nick, Nick some love. Boy, you know me, I, I'm... You know, really going. I know that she got. Yeah, I know that she got. Yeah, yeah. But there's more to the story about Nick too. You know, there's you know I got a, a personal reason why he and Terry are so uh, close to me. Um, right. So, um, so I'm gonna keep that one. I'm not gonna share that with everybody on the air right now. But uh, uh, they were there when when I was in the hospital. They they showed up. Yep, showed up. And Earl Bruce did not show up. So, wow. Wow. <laughs> so uh, let me just say it like that. So they, they've always been special to me. So, um, okay. So was that was that it? You got that out before we, before we go to the big boy it. ball? Okay, we got we got big boy ball coming up now. We don't even need you know we, we there's no need to talk about you know what's going on in the state of Ohio because they're irrelevant at this time. The the Bengals and the Browns, with the exception of the Browns, uh, you know the Browns probably were watching the game last night. Uh, because there's probably a couple guys there that uh, they got two picks in the draft that uh, they probably could use them on. You know, somebody might have been on that field last night. Well, certainly, the, uh, you know, the quarterbacks that are out there. Um, but that, that's that, that's about it right now. So I do want to let me stop there. Let me stop there and ask you, what, what's the sentiment? What's what's the conversation around the Coolers, Willie, about what the Browns will do with their uh, with their first pick? Are they going to take? A quarterback and and of course the two in California one have expressed interest about not wanting to play for the Browns which I think he's changed now uh, but in, in in your mind do you think and I think we touched on this a little bit but after having some time and maybe hearing uh, some reports uh, what direction do you think they're headed definitely uh, quarterback at number one overall I mean that's 
I mean, the, the, the edict from the owner has been from day one, find my quarterback, start building with my quarterback. They haven't done that yet. So uh, more importantly right now, as far as the, the Browns are concerned, is they're, they're, re, they're reshaping the front office. We talked all season about Sashi Brown and his uh, regime and, and, and the front office that he built. He's no longer there. They've been from uh, Kansas of Kansas City. Um, so he's now bringing in his staff. He brought in uh, Alonzo Highsmith, former uh, director of player personnel for uh, Green Bay. Hey, well, uh, can you hold that for one second? We're going to need to take a break. Uh, I Absolutely. think this is going to be our last one. Then we're going to come back. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice American Network. Got my man Willie Gibson on with me, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, Alabama Crimson Tide or the 2017-2018 National Champions College Football. And uh, although I keep getting some boos in my ear from uh, my man in the studio with me, A-Rod, we got to celebrate. Uh, they won it on the field, and uh, of course now, uh, those guys who won it on the field now, um, a lot of them have goals and aspirations to, to play on Sundays, and those guys who who were in college and have moved on, uh, some of them are still playing on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, this weekend, we got some great games coming up. We got the Falcons playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. We got the Saints against the Minnesota Vikings. We got the Jaguars against the Steelers. The Titans against the Patriots, and of course. Uh, from those games, uh, we'll evolve into some championship games and then we'll evolve into some Super Bowl games. And I, I see things kind of playing out there. But before those play out, there's some teams that didn't play uh, and didn't play so well. And one didn't play well at all. And we were talking a little bit about them before we went to break, although I said there's no reason to talk to them because they're out of the game. But they still are in the picture in, in a big way because uh, those teams who are not in the playoffs have started you know, their draft boards and all that other stuff. Uh, looking at potential talent, and potential talent was playing last night. Um, so, of course, the Cleveland Browns could be considering some of the talent that was playing last night. 
but my man uh, Will Gibson is bringing some insight as to, um, in particular, with the first pick they have, they, they seem to be sold on a quarterback, um, which means the kid that we have there now is not the answer for the future. Um, I guess uh, they found that out this year. No. They don't yeah, I think for work. him, um, and it's funny. It's funny, uh, Ray. Brian Kelly, uh, who's uh, Kaiser's college coach, yes. um, he did local radio in Cleveland last year and uh, basically said, hey, the kid's not ready. He, he, needed to, he needed to come back to school for his senior season. And Why do you got, think he did not? I, 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 was, I was curious as to why did, he did not, why did he not come back for his senior year? Great question. I, uh, apparently, he thought he was ready. I mean, I don't, I don't know that he's ever really addressed it other than I think I'm ready. But clearly, you know, from week one to week 17, he wasn't. He wasn't. I mean, the, the questions were, you know, how did he have that great sophomore season, but he fell off in his junior season? And it was the well, he lost talent. He, his receivers graduated. Will Fuller. Uh, with the Houston Texans was his go-to guy his sophomore year. He moved on to the NFL. Um, uh, Torrey Hunter Jr. Uh, was his receiver going into his junior year. And uh, that season opening game against Texas, um, he got injured, lost for the season. So, you know, the, the, the reasons were there. I don't have the talent that I once had. So that was kind of, kind of gave him a, a pass and he, an excuse, if you will, as to why his numbers fell off. But uh, he got to the league, and it was abundantly clear from day one he just wasn't ready. Wow. He just, so, and then not being ready, you know, to go to a situation where you have to play. I mean, had he not been ready and, let's say, gone to um, Kansas City, where he could have sat behind Alex Smith all year and learned from a veteran, he didn't have a veteran there all season. You would see him on the sidelines, just wandering around by himself. No one to talk to him. No one to encourage him. He didn't have that that strong quarterback presence, veteran, to uh, to help him out. So he just 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 was not a good situation coming into the league for uh, Deshaun Kaiser. So you know, Cleveland's again, once again, looking for a quarterback. Yeah, and and it's uh you know it's really it's it's beyond embarrassing. Uh, the fact that your your franchise can't get it together, and I, it's my understanding that there may be, and I, and I again, uh, this is some s- things that I've heard uh, mm-hmm. from from some folks, some as uh, as they say, some of my sources that there's a chance that there may be a change in the ownership of the Cleveland Browns, but certainly um, something needs to happen. It needs to be improved. Those who are selecting the talent uh, needs to be upgraded. Uh, ownership certainly needs to get the right kinds of people in there that 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 have been proven to be excellent in identifying talent and then being able to get the best out of the players because they have not done that. And anytime your fan base wants to have a parade. To embarrass you, you've got some major problems. That, that that's that's all that parade was for was to embarrass the franchise. Absolutely. And and Absolutely. but the, but the franchise has embarrassed the fans. Yeah. 
Sure. You sure. know, and, and the, the fans have been the one that have been loyal, been, you know, writing the checks every year, supporting the team, the players. You know, I, I, I've never in my life ever heard any. Well, I got to take that back because I heard Eli say it, you know. So I don't know Eli said it. Maybe his dad said it or the representative say that they didn't want to play for the San Diego Chargers. Who in the world doesn't want to play for a professional football team, period, if you have the talent? That's what I never understood about, you know, Tim Tebow. You know, Tim, listen, man, if you're not a quarterback in the National Football League and there's some other position you could play, don't you just want to play football? I'm sure you played some other position when you were a kid at some point. And so, you know, who would not want to play in the National Football League? That's, you know, what bothered me when I hear a quarterback in college talking about not wanting to play for the Cleveland Browns. And by the way, with the exception of this embarrassment, the Cleveland Browns is one of the most storied franchises in the National Football League, well-respected, Loved by many, very loyal fan base, great place to live, and and the town is is much better than its reputation. And uh, I was honored to play for the franchise, and and I would think anybody who got a chance to play for. After all, we talk about player execution, and the, when the play was drawn up in the room. You know what your responsibility was, and if all those guys, eleven guys, did their responsibility, handled their business, executed the play, Browns wouldn't be in the position they are right now. What is this? If they do draft a quarterback, what is it going to be like? Nineteen in the last thirty years? It's uh, well, I don't think they've had twenty-eight since they came back in nineteen ninety-nine. <laughs> Ooh, twenty-eight, twenty-eight, twenty-eight. Okay, so uh, all right, so let, let, let's talk about some of these games this weekend coming up, uh, and I, I think we got we got to do it right real fast mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we only got like like a minute. Okay, let me ask you, uh, Falcons, Eagles, who you got? Falcons. Okay, uh, Saints and Vikings, who you got? Vikings. Uh, Jaguars, Steelers. Steelers. Titans, Patriots. Tom Brady. <laughs> 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 I got you, my man. That makes uh, that makes all the sense in the world. Okay, uh, Coach John Gruden, how you feel about that? You know what? I'll tell you this. Uh, initially, I felt like it was Phil Jackson to the Knicks. I mean, he's been gone for nine years, and he's coming back, and they chased him, chased him, chased him through the money and the got him. But I'm starting to come around. I think I think I think Gruden's going to do some good work in uh in uh, Oakland. Then on to uh, Las Vegas, but it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I like Chucky as as a coach. I like him as a commentator. Um, uh, listen, the National Football League, if you have um, a system of which you've adapted that is going to give opportunities to minorities, I think you stick to that system. If it's something of substance and it's not just some BS, and um, I think this proves it's just some BS because I do not think that they diligently looked for uh, a minority as a, uh, a person who could be a possible candidate for the job for the Raiders. And uh, and they had a person in mind. That person was Chucky. Uh, but I do like Chucky, and I wish him the best. Deep down in my heart, once you get past the Eagles and the Browns, I'm a Raiders fan. Jack Tatum. You All know, right. just want to be like Jack. So it's time for us to close. Been a great show. Appreciate you calling in, Will. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You have to see us next week. Uh, you've been listening to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Rayella Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. 
For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. 